Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Dave Foreman is an award-winning team leader and writer with demonstrated success in military and civilian organizations. He's comfortable as a versatile team player and holding final accountability as a decision maker. He's also the founder and president of Wolfpack Leadership. Hello, Dave. Hello, Ed. Thanks for having me on today. Fantastic. We're so glad that you're here. And I did a little bit of a light introduction to you. And I'm wondering if you could spend a few more minutes telling us a little bit more about what you're doing today and potentially how you're interacting in the marketplace either today or, as we both know, potentially in the future. Yeah, of course. Uh, When I first started in the Navy, I I chose to go to the Naval Academy. Uh, I wanted to do something different in college. So uh, after searching, that that was great. I was planning on flying uh, the whole time there, but I got the opportunity to experience a submarine cruise and just kind of fell in love with it uh, during one of our training summers. So I selected submarine warfare as my requested service assignment. I was fortunate to get it. Spent the last uh, 23 years or so supporting uh, the Navy through the submarine force in various aspects and had a great time doing so that culminated in command of a uh, ballistic missile submarine. And looking back on it, uh, now that my time in the Navy is almost up, there are kind of three facets of my time in the Navy that I enjoyed. The, the submarine itself is kind of an engineering marvel, so that you have that aspect of it. Uh, the concept of uh, submarine warfare and the tactics associated with that is also intriguing. And the third aspect is is obviously leadership of your crew and your sailors and your officers and, and getting people to to focus on the mission and also developing them as, as people and, and as professionals within the Navy. And, and that's the part that I can continue to do. So I'm not going to be on a submarine as, a, as an old man or anything like that. Uh, so the, the, the aspect that I love that I want to continue is, is mentoring people and helping them become better leaders. So getting started with that now, applying the, the leadership principles that I learned in the Navy, uh, slightly different twists in how I teach it. And really focusing on this thing called the leadership triad, which is still the leader, but you have a very close-knit team that helps you, uh, a number two, it's called the executive officer in the Navy, and then also what we call our chief of the boat, but basically it's just a frontline supervisor that represents your workforce, and and as a core group, you do a much better job uh, for the organization and and, uh, the consistency that you provide and the quality of the decisions that you make for the team. So so that's where I'm heading. Fantastic. Well, 
part of your story that I love is it's a great metaphor for what most people experience in the workplace. There's the what we do, which is the technical side of the submarine, right? The technology and the computerization, which I'm sure changes as often as an Apple phone. Uh, and, you know, just the what we do and then the roles people play within it to make that what happen. And then there's oftentimes the more important how we do it. You know, how do we keep people motivated? How do we keep them focused? How do we keep them organized? And that sounds like something that really energized you and an area that you want to spend more of your time on. Is that correct? Uh, yes, that's a, absolutely. And you know, we have a lot of submarines. They all do effectively the same thing. We have, if not identical, very similar missions. And and that's a case study in, in different ways to go about doing the same thing. Uh, some submarines are more effective than others. Uh, I was fortunate to walk into a great situation. And uh, in my, my assessment, I proved it a little bit and sustained it. And, and that can be challenging uh, in its own right when you kind of start at the top. Some people say you got nowhere to go but down. Uh, but that that did not happen with us. Uh, so so absolutely, uh, the, you can you can accomplish so so much of your peace of mind and, and workplace enjoyment depends on how you go about doing what it is that you're assigned to do. And I, I think I've got good ways to do that. Well, you're always welcome to pat yourself on the back, Dave. So if you've helped uh, enhance the organization you were working in, then you need to make sure that people know that. So uh, just I'm just wondering, you know, from your perspective, was leadership, the people who led those entities, submarines, et cetera, influential in ensuring or influential in how people perceived how well it was run, right? You said we're all on similar missions with similar uh, experiences, and yet some had better experiences than others. And is a large piece of that regarding submarine leadership? So I'd say uh, absolutely. You know, being the commanding officer, in my experience, was that it's a very personal uh, experience that, that that people's takeaway of how 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 you perform uh, when they come and either visit for just a tour or even the inspectors that we have various inspection teams that come see us there you take that personally if they say you're doing a great job you're not doing a good job do they enjoy it how are your sailors doing so how are your employees feel about the workplace uh, I always took that as a direct reflection on me and my my leadership uh, so so that does make all the difference and and. And that is, we, we have a saying that you, you have to play the hand that you're dealt. So I'd say that I, I had some pretty great cards in my hand uh, on, my, on my submarine, and not everybody gets the same cards. But inevitably, you're, we all have challenges. It's not that because even though we did well, it wasn't, did not imply that we did not have challenges. It was just that I, I helped create the environment that my, my team was engaged, and, and we were able to solve the problems together. And they stayed bought in uh, the, the whole time. So, so collectively, we, we did well and we enjoyed our time serving together. And people wanted to come to, to our, our submarine, you know, my, my submarine, if, if you will. So the times when you have cross uh, submarine, all the submarines together for a training and they talk and they find out, oh, you're the captain of that boat. Like, man, I would love to come on to, to your ship. So you, you take that as a, as a positive feedback that you got something good going on and you try to maintain it. Uh, all the while, while still obviously accomplishing your mission, you can't just be everybody's friend. They know that it's the manner in which you you maintain your standards and do the hard work. Well, who knew that the military was such a popularity contest? So uh, I just learned that today. You know, it's funny that you should mention "Play the Hand You've Been Dealt." In my most recent book, "Drive Your Career," I have a chapter called "Play the Hand You've Been Dealt" because that's a common experience many business people. Uh, engage in at work. And so many of my clients want to talk about the past 
and why they are where they are and they're not talking enough about playing the hand they've been dealt. And some people have been dealt very bad hands based on culture or relationships, and they're so stuck talking about it, they're not spending enough time doing something about it and figuring out, okay, so how do I improve the culture or these relationships to make them work? And others have been dealt wonderful hands where the culture and the people and the environment and the relationships are fantastic, and they're looking just to continue to build it. So I think it's interesting that uh, there's a commonality between what you've experienced uh, in a submarine and what many business people might experience in the workplace. You know, when you think about bravery at work, and you also use the word employees to refer to some of the enlisted people uh, on your submarine, but, you know, when you think about bravery at work, you know, what are some words or phrases, Dave, that might come to mind? In, in my training, I immediately go to the, the, the term that I probably learned as a, a, a plebe or as a, a freshman at the Naval Academy, and just this concept of moral courage, and that you, you see something that through a combination of both your upbringing and your workplace standards, that knowing the company culture and company policies, you just know it's wrong. And then are you going to say, say something about it? Are you, are you going to have the moral courage to speak up and either say it? generically out loud so others can hear you and to the group or to address somebody, uh, probably not in front of a crowd because that makes it more challenging and awkward potentially and maybe less effective. But uh, after whatever the incident is, you find that person aside and, and do you have the courage to essentially confront them? And, and that's where I go. So we, 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 uh, I won't say that we throw it around a lot, uh, but that's the concept in the back of your mind. Uh, we, the Navy Corps values are honor, courage, and commitment. And you talk about moral courage and that's, that's where my mind goes. That that's what it is, is the courage to speak up and intervene when you know something is wrong. Well, you talked about the fact that in the military, you were audited, that people came on board to assess how you were doing and what you were doing. And I would imagine that those people were candid, right? If you did something that was good, they told you. And if you did something that was not good or out of compliance, did they tell you that as well, candidly? Uh, so absolutely, and 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 I'd say more than candidly, uh, we don't we don't hold back. Uh, <laughs> you, you get the you get the official write up, and then uh, nearly everybody not not every inspector was a submarine specialty, uh, but but nearly all of them are. Uh, so you also get some of the uh, the top level as a captain they'll come in and and it it's in line with the official report, but maybe there's something that isn't official enough to put down in writing on record and say, but, and I also sense the following. So if you're, if you're screwing up at a, at a high rate of speed, as we say, uh, they, they will tell you without hesitation. Well, and what I like about it, and I'm not sure if this is the intent, but what I like about that is what we also call role modeling, which is, uh, you know, from the top down that if we're going to be candid and tell you something always respectfully and professionally, you know, we're not going to hit you across the head with a two by four, but we will tell you, uh, in no mixed words, you know, what you're not doing correctly or what you could be doing differently. I would hope that that is a behavior that others see. So if I know that somebody is doing somebody, uh, doing something that isn't correct, and I'm a, I would imagine in the military, it's a little bit higher due to harder due to rank, that it's, you know, harder to tell the captain that he or she may not be doing something that they should be doing uh, in fear of breaking rank, etc. But, you know, that it's role modeling, good behavior. Is that something that you saw or experienced at all? So, yes, absolutely. I think in part of the, the, the way when I look back on the amount of responsibility that 
captains in general have at the rank of commander, it, it's it's an immense responsibility. And how do you get somebody ready to to be uh, to be ready for that leadership challenge at a relatively young age? I took that comment a few times. People were, were, would meet me and say, "You're you're the captain." I, I was expecting somebody older. And I said, "You know, I'm sorry that I don't have a full beard and a and a pipe or something like that." But uh, so so to be ready for that that level of responsibility, that the, our leadership modeling works and the fact that you have three other discrete uh, tours of duty on submarines you get to see a lot of other executive officers a lot of other commanding officers doing the same thing that you will be doing and all along the way you get to take both the positive and the negative leadership lessons from them so so they absolutely do model that behavior and as far as the the inspections that's an external kind of feedback but in order to, to succeed you also have to master the internal within the submarine, within your own crew feedback. And so I think that was one of my biggest jobs as captain was to set clear expectations. Everybody knows what the standard is. And then when they don't meet it, it's very easy to say, I, I told you what the standard was and we're not, we're falling short. We're not there. Uh, so what, what can we do together to get back to that? If they never know the standard and you just come in and say, you're doing a terrible job. And I say, well, I didn't, I didn't even realize that because I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. So we, we tried to be very clear on what the standards were. We obviously have a lot of tradition and paperwork that makes that part very clear. Uh, but anything around the edges, uh, you, you need the things bear repeating because your crew turns over quite a bit and you always have new people joining. As with any company, you get you get a new recruit, a new somebody in a new position. They they don't know everything that you do, and they don't have the same history of the organization that you do. So you need to be aware of that, and and for the re- repeat things in the right periodicity that makes sense for the organization. Well, what I love about that behavior is one of the activities that I think is so important to help people be braver in the workplace, which is this model of hey, I want to tell you something that you're not doing as good as you could. Because I don't want you to come back five years from now and say, why didn't you ever tell me? If I'd known five years ago I wasn't doing it the way I should have been, I would have done something about it. So I don't want that to happen. So I'm going to tell you now so we can avoid that, right? And this might be hard to hear, but if you listen and demonstrate curiosity, as I will, I think you'll hear about ways you could do it differently to be more effective just to avoid that future, hey, why didn't you tell me this before mentality? So that sounds like something that you attempted to demonstrate as a captain. Yes, I, I would say so. And as you were telling your story, where I went and my experience with that was uh, we do have a, an annual uh, periodicity where the, you, you get, everybody gets a, a written evaluation. Uh, and part of that process, based on their rank, that's what the Navy uses to determine who's going to get promoted. And, and they're, you're kind of segregated out into a, like an early promote, a must promote, or just promotable and and having the early promote on your record helps at the boards to make the next career milestone. And I did have one sailor uh, unhappy with how he, uh, where he, he broke out in that, in that ranking. He thought that based on how long he had been on board, it was time, like based on the calendar for him to have an early promote. And I did not see in his performance that he was delivering on the skills that I needed to see to, to make the recommendation that he become a chief petty officer. He was a little fired up when he got his fitness report. And I, uh, I heard him outside my, my office, my stateroom. And so I I told my, my chief of the boat, part of the triad, I said, I'll be, I'll be happy to talk to him. So, uh, so he came in and uh, a little bit of bravery there to be able to let him come talk to me. And, and, and I told him why I wrote the eval the way that I did. And then I, I also took it as a lesson 
and ended up writing just a little one-page memo to my crew uh, that uh, on, on what I look for in the rankings, uh, back to the expectation management. I said, if I'm going to recommend you for the next level, I want to see that you have the ability to already perform at that level. And this, these are the kinds of things that I expect from you. So he took that to heart. We, we changed the way some of his responsibilities so that he could take on the responsibilities that I thought he was lacking. He was ready to demonstrate those. Uh, next time around, he got a better ranking and happy to say that a couple of years later, he, he was selected to chief. So in that, in that case, the system worked. Well, that's great. And expectation setting is so important when it comes to really navigating a couple of behaviors in the workplace. One is bravery and the other is conflict, right? And conflict navigation, we all oftentimes avoid conflict. And so a lot of people might not have been brave enough to say, hey, have him come in. I'd be happy to talk to him. But, hey, I don't have time for this. Tell him to go away. And uh, so that was great that you did because then you could set those expectations. And whether he wanted to hear it or not, which he may not have wanted to, you could set those expectations to get him back on the right path. So, Dave, many of our guests share stories. I'm not sure if that was one of your stories, but uh, about bravery in the workplace. And you had mentioned you had two stories, one where you didn't show bravery and the impact that had on you professionally and personally, and one that where you did show bravery. And I'd love to hear the story about uh, an example where you didn't show bravery and the ex- feelings or uh, impact that has on you professionally. Yeah, absolutely. The first one that uh, happened when it was my, my second C tour during uh, my assignment was the engineering officer. So responsible for the, the safe operation of our reactor plant uh, to the captain, as well as a lot of the other systems on board the submarine. So pretty challenging time, pretty high workload. And there were talks at the time that women might be joining the submarine force. Uh, up to that point, it was still uh, males only. And I'm not in the habit of remembering specific things that I say that long ago. Uh, but this one, I think I was a little surprised after I said it, but I did say it. And I said that the day women join the submarine force is the day that I leave the Navy. So uh, if you know that women have joined the submarine force and I'm still in, I, again, I, I do think I was a little shocked. Like, did I say that? Because like, do I really mean that? Like, I don't think I do. I just <laughs> said it. it didn't sound very mature. And I'm not sure I believe it, but but I did say that. I, one of my thoughts at the time was like, I've got so much going on just managing the, the plant right now and, and be, being a department head and learning my own trade that I, I, you know, I felt naively at the time that, that women would be a distraction and, and that it would, you know, it'd be, it would add to my plate. And I was already kind of, you know, up to my eyeballs in, in work. So, uh, so that happened. No, no, no outcome because women, it, it wasn't immediate or anything like that. Uh, but, but I, again, to this day, I remember saying that my next assignment was at the Naval yeah, Academy. Wait. I meant, oh, go ahead. Well, just quick, quickly. Well, one, you weren't a decision maker, so it wasn't, I think, up to you as to whether or not uh, women could join. But, you know, today, thinking back on that, do you regret it? I mean, do you have this feeling of, hey, I'm not sure what I was thinking or why I was thinking it, but I really wish I hadn't said it? Or do you feel good about saying it and just feel that you evolved as time passed? So I, I did not feel good about it. Uh, I, d- I don't think that I really conveyed how I felt about women at any point in my life. I have two sisters and I just, I, I didn't. So I've, I've, I viewed things professionally kind of through their eyes and, and seeing the effective policies on women in the workforce for my entire life. Um, so the, the rest of the story was my next assignment was at the Naval Academy, men and women there. The rules did change actually while I was assigned to the Naval Academy. And there was a sophomore there that had joined the Naval Academy hoping that submarines would become available by the time she graduated. And it actually did. And then she was actually able to be selected for the submarine force. I attended some of their symposiums. 
uh, and and also went to a, a conference where for maybe the first time in my life I was the minority. So it was a, a huge education. I was like, wow, this is what this feels like. And seeing the Navy <laughs> policies and and the workforce uh, through you know the eyes of a woman serving just really that that education mattered and it, it made a huge difference to me. So in hindsight, totally the wrong thing to say, immature, childish and all that. And, and then I go back to that where you sit is where you stand. You said you're right. I was not a decision maker. Uh, the, after I, when I was getting ready to leave the Naval Academy to go back to sea, my next tour is going to be the executive officer. So not the number one in charge, but the number two. And and I said, well, I need to be prepared for my job. So let me learn more about this this issue and what's what's on their mind and so on. So so by the time I was captain, uh, we d- we did not integrate all of our submarines. Some are getting near end of life, and you got to do some changes to make sure the the heads, the restrooms can can handle both men and women so we're not doing it to to every single submarine and the submarine i was assigned for command is not integrated it was going to stay it'll stay all men until it is uh, no longer in service so when i when i got orders there i was actually disappointed that i would not have the opportunity to serve with women and 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 help them and and you know to get learn from the what they have to contribute to the crew because as captain you just want the best employees or junior officers that you can and frankly some of my junior officers struggled I would have been more than happy to take a qualified woman in the place of some of the my male officers assigned that were not doing that well. So that was my lesson of a example of really not being brave at all, saying that that kind of childish thing, and then and then doing a complete one eighty and understanding the error of my ways. Wow! Well, fantastic story, uh, Dave, and thank you so much for sharing that. And I think one of the things that we experience when we experience an absence of bravery in the workplace years later our feelings of regret, right? That, gee, I wish I didn't do that. I wish I didn't say that. I wish I came about it a little bit differently. And it sounds as though that's something that you are currently experiencing. How about on the flip side? You had mentioned that you had an example of a time that you did show bravery and the positive impact that had on your professional development. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. When, one thing that every Navy command does is a uh, uh, command climate surveys, so anonymous surveys, just to make sure that things are going well. And it gives an opportunity for the crew to give anonymous feedback to uh, how things are going. Uh, how is the captain? How is the rest of the, the chain of command, the rest of the leadership within the organization? And it gives you a, a insight to see if there's any racism or sexism or hazing or anything like that. Uh, so we, we, I got the results of mine. Overall, we did pretty well, uh, above Navy average in a lot of categories. But the numbers were not zero for the people that said, have you ever experienced uh, hazing? Or have you ever experienced uh, racist jokes or something like that? So of about 200 people, we had three or four, five tops say that they had witnessed or experienced something in that category. So to me, that was five too many. So after I, I told the whole crew what the results were, because that's part of what you do, I wanted to find out more. I just got creative here. I gave them a very small slip of paper that listed every division that we had on the submarine and said, just check off. No names, obviously. It could fit in the palm of their hands so they could be, all the details mattered so that they could do it anonymously as well. Check off the divisions where you think that these behaviors might be occurring. And not that they are occurring. I didn't want to turn it into a witch hunt. Just where where do you think this might be happening? I collected all those. I tallied them up. It ended up being three divisions where it might be happening. I wrote a formal memo to the, the officer in charge of that division and the, the chief petty officer, the frontline supervisor of that division in writing said, hey, I, this is what I did. Your division is at risk. 
I expect you to take care of it before it becomes a problem and understand that this is not how we run, uh, run things on our ship. Uh, they all took it to heart. When you see something in writing, it tends to have a bigger effect than something verbal has been my experience. And then fast forward a few months when I had some sailors uh, check out when they transfer off, they check out with me, kind of get a final interview. How are things? Do you have any feedback for me? And so on. Several of them said that after I wrote those memos, that things did change. So I was very happy to see that kind of close the loop on that that process worked. And that was uh, I was very happy to see that outcome. Well, you sound as though a person who recognizes the value of communication, right, to get stuff out of your head and share it with others so that they know what you expect and how to ensure that they can achieve their goals. Many leaders don't do that and they keep it in their head. And only when you make or don't make the mark do they share what it is that they've been thinking about. So I think that's fantastic that you have publicly uh, or at least professionally shared with others you know, what it is that you're thinking about, what it is that you're expecting so that they can achieve those marks. So, Dave, thank you so much for your time today. It was really great hearing about your career. And thank you again for your service to our country, which is deeply appreciated. If people wanted to talk with you or connect with you, uh, is there a way that they can do so? Yes, thanks. I really enjoyed this. Uh, my website is wolfpackleadership.com, or you can send me an email. I like to keep it personal and, and get to know people. Uh, just dave at wolfpackleadership.com. Fantastic. All right, Dave, thank you so much for your time today. It was great speaking with you. Yeah, thanks, Ed. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week, and we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at bebraveatwork.com and our download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cap at Risk Strategies, and you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at capatrisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. If you have something to say yet are not saying it, if you have something to do, yet are not doing it, now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.